Here we are at this last evening together on our month's retreat. had a beautiful and powerful great compassion ceremony this afternoon to mark our last last day together And this retreat is doing perfectly what what it should. What comes into formation shifts, ages, dissolves back into emptiness. been a flowering of our significant work together. And then when the uh, flower starts to go to seed and the winds blow, just as the karmic winds are blowing now, then the seeds, the petals, recognizable form of the flower is dispersed, just as we can already see the some empty cushions of our friends and kindred spirits who we've shared this time and space together, who've needed to uh, leave right after the ceremony. But may these winds, wherever they take us, may we uh, have within our hearts these seeds that we've been planting and watering and cultivating in this garden of the heart, what the Buddha called Bahawana his word for meditation. Meditation as a, a English word sounds a bit heady, but the word the Buddha used is a very beautiful, richer word, bahawana, to learn to bring into fruition, bring into being, to develop, to cultivate. That's one of the his favorite ways of uh, talking about this activity of training the heart. I think we should uh, feel really good about this month together. I do. I think it's been an uh, auspicious, wondrous occasion that we, that we made it here and that we were blessed to be in this protected space 
where we had permission. to let go of our uh, entanglement and grip with some of our daily preoccupations for the sake of uh, deepening our alignment with, with dharma, with reality. As the Buddha said, uh, this dharma, we try, but this dharma cannot really be described to really try to put into words what we've done this month. It's impossible. But it certainly felt wholesome. We deepened our capacity to be realistic, to be with how we are. And now, uh, for for most of us, a few of us are staying home for a while longer, but uh, we'll find ourselves in different circumstances and an opportunity to, to let go of this particular form, this beautiful, precious form that's so supported by the staff here and surrounding this center in a beautiful forest with conducive facilities for us to do this work of mindfulness, steadying the attention on the body, learning to be sensitive to this bodily experience to calm the nervous system through being with the breathing and being moment to moment with our sitting and walking and standing and lying down. Well, we had the opportunity to listen to Dharma, practice according to Dharma. And then with this little by little accumulated gatheredness and samadhi, had a chance to look into the nature of things. Start not just as an idea, but as an experience to really be with, to, to know and deepen this recognition of this ever-changing reality. As we can intuitively and directly know it in the bodily experience in feelings that well up and subside, in perceptions that flicker and change so quickly, in terms of moods, moments of seeing that interweave with hearing and smelling and tasting and conceiving and thinking. have the opportunity to get the feeling of the ungraspable nature of what we take to be me, begin to recognize and touch into 
that all this that seems so real is happening within a context, within a matrix, within a a background of wakefulness, of consciousness, of awareness. These are different words for talking about the ground that makes all this experience happen. The experiences of breathing in and breathing out and coming and going happen, happen within a, a knowing, a field of knowing, a ground of knowing. That little by little we get to recognize as unmoving. Ever present. And when we find ourselves back in our more familiar circumstances or wherever we end up, then there's the advanced practice. But not to despair, everything that we've done here those tools are, are available to us. Not necessarily the such protected, silent spaces, but we'll still have our body. There'll still be possibilities for listening, for pausing, and for remembering, realigning, reconnecting with this refuge. We'll have the opportunity to develop agility, being fluid as we listen into a circumstance and and respond. If we want things to be just the way they were here, that's going to be pretty frustrating. Here we've been uh, quite fortunate to have kindred spirits that value silence and sensitivity. That's not the case, necessarily, and all those will meet. But as Ajahn Chah graphically puts it, and I, this is true, he says, uh, when the obstacles come high, we learn to duck. When they come low, we learn to jump. We learn to respond to what we're encountering. And we have all sorts of tools that we've been developing. Focusing, mindfulness of the body, calming, investigating, letting go, that's been a tool. Welcoming, the kindness, another tool. Pausing to remember what we cherish, that's what we do in the recitations. We, whatever confusion is going on when we pause to do that, we remember, okay, I don't know what to do next, but I really cherish wisdom. The example of the awakened one, that essential refuge which is right here in my own heart in a moment of listening 
and mindfulness. I cherish the nature of things, the lawfulness of the unfolding of the cosmos. I cherish these teachings that came forth from the awakened one that we can align with so that we can remember and attune ourselves to the Dharma as it's unfolding in every breath, every moment. I might not know what to do next. might still be all sorts of unsolved problems, but moments of remembering that, wow, I value Sangha, value the preciousness of remembering that there are people of integrity in this world. There are good people. There are trustworthy beings that we can befriend, that we can align with, that we can meet from time to time. If not in person, we can even read about them. And, and essentially, Sangha means we can befriend in any moment what is skillful. The essence of Sangha, as the Buddha defined it, is our opportunity to practice in any moment. Yeah, we can just follow old tendencies. Or we can, when we take refuge in Sangha, we have this opportunity to make contact with this moment and cultivate the good, the wise, the compassionate. It's one of the tools we explored. We explored Qigong, taking some time out for our well-being to coordinate breath and movement for the sake of calming, tranquilizing. As Nisargadatta says, uh, I think I've already, maybe already mentioned it, wisdom says I'm no thing. Compassion says I'm everything. Between these two banks, the life of the awakened one flows. Wisdom, we've been doing that. Focusing and seeing there's no things. Like, as I've mentioned, we can call this a Dharma talk, but if we get close to it, we see the sounds keep dissolving. Space is everywhere. The so-called thing's not a thing. That which keeps dissolving is not a thing. Wisdom sees that and realizes we can't claim anything. Let's go, touches emptiness. Compassion welcomes, opens to everything. So even though these different tools might seem different, wisdom, compassion, chanting, which sounds very complicated, it's all one mind that we're bhavana, we're learning to cultivate, develop its flexibility, its strength, its intuitive, trusting responses. This heart can focus, steady, inquire, let go into that ground of emptiness that has everything within it and welcome. So I encourage us to be positive 
that we might be anxious about going back, to really trust the, the goodness of what we've done together. And to be open to its mysterious power. As we said in the ceremony, contemplated in the bowels, the response and the way are intertwined inconceivably. The way, that's all this practice we've done, all these moments of mindfulness, investigation, patience, being with all the swirling moods and this and that, feeling like it's impossible, can't last another second, and then it shifts. And then we want to, what the heck, dedicate my whole life, my whole life, my countless lives to the Dharma. Get inspired, get discouraged. We've noticed all these states changing. And the Buddha remembers saying even one finger snap of that is inconceivably powerful and we've been doing this for a month. The response in the way, so we've practiced, what will the response of this be? It's inconceivable. But to trust, why would the wise ones mislead us? There is a mysterious causal lawfulness in this universe to just trust it to bless the world in our lives in unseen ways. It encourages to be very skeptical of this thinking mind that fixes everything. Just to remember that essentially it's a mystery. But the mind so quickly starts summing up my situation and their situation and then it seems hopeless and then we forget this mysterious, inconceivable goodness we've infused into the system, into this dharma body. One of my favorite uh, activities in the monastery, even though I wasn't uh, well, because I had an athletic past, when when I tend to do exercise, it helps me a lot. And we used to, as as, uh, monks, we would, uh, after our intense retreat times, we would, we would go on what's called tudong. Tudong means to shake off. But it, it sort of meant to go walking. So in our, when I was abbot of a small monastery, Buddhist monastery in the southwest of England, we would, uh, after our three-month retreat, intense retreat, we would then go uh, walking with a few of us few postulants, and you're shaking off your attachments to all that you're so used to, uh, your familiar surroundings. We're going to need to shake off our attachment. We've gotten used to this. We'll shake it off when we walk out of here. But when I would go on, on the, the Tudong, we wouldn't know where we would, were going to stay. But we would, uh, we usually had a, de- a general destination, you know, quite a 
hundred miles or so away over weeks, we would walk. Um, but in the afternoon, near the end of the day, we would uh, stop and say, look, we're monks on uh, pilgrimage. Do you know where we might be allowed to camp for the night? Uh, we would never demand anything or, uh, directly of a person. And some people say, no. But there was quite a few who said, oh, I have a barn, or oh, we have a field, or oh, you must be hungry, can we? And we would meet the most, have the most amazing, unexpected things. I mean, we could start worrying, oh, what if we don't get to eat, and monks can't eat after midday? Uh, but uh, we never went hungry that, uh, f- for those weeks that we would be walking every year and meet the most uh, extraordinary people. I loved walking because it's slow, and then one step at a time, you would feel the path and feel the road, and I would oftentimes just keep Kuan Yin's name in my mind. Namo Kuan Chien Pusa. Hold that lightly. That just engages the, uh, the cognitive, but just enjoying the silence of the listening listening to the light, the countryside, beautiful English countryside, when it was hot or when it was cool or when it was wet or when it was dry. Just one step at a time, easy to be with the body. And um, we would each be carrying um, uh, our gear, uh, but which, which uh, we couldn't go that far, maybe... 10 miles a day, 8 to 10 miles a day, but it was wonderful. I'm mentioning this because there's so many, over the years, mysterious and unexpected coincidences coming out of the Dharma. I just uh, mentioned one that happened that reminds me of this magic of life it's easy to forget if we get too bogged down in our thoughts was walking along holding the name a sacred name and on a uh, country small country lane in the english countryside and uh, quite a narrow lane small lane and as we were uh, uh, going along we were uh, getting near a path that was uh, forking off up ahead. But as I was just walking, enjoying the rhythm, then I tell you, most unexpectedly, someone tapped me on the head. As if it wasn't a person. It was a presence. Presence tapped me on the head and whispered in my ear, my right ear, said, Stay right up here. Go to the right. So I thought, oh, okay. So I didn't announce it to anybody, but I was, uh, we were walking along and it was uh, quite an insistent tap uh, and very clear instructions, so I'm walking along. So I was a senior monk, so I'm pretty much in charge, but I did have a, a few postulants and a junior monk who took his navigational uh, post very seriously and he had an impressive uh, map of all the back lanes and he said um, um, uh, Venerable uh, 
you see we've got uh, two sides of a triangle here, and I think if we th- we'll cut off a lot of ground if we go go to the left up here. And I said, well, no, this nice, nice one. He said, no, no, look, two sides of the triangle. You see that? Two sides of the triangle. And you c- cut right across. And so, you know, I, d- I confess, I didn't say, hey, someone just tapped me on the head and told me, <laughs> told me to go right. So I thought, okay, I'll just be quiet. And he was, he was keen with the map, and he's, he's an incredibly attentive uh, monk and very good nature. So I thought, okay, let's go left. So we start going left, uh, not far at all, golly, 50, 100 yards, and then, I hadn't seen him before, a voice uh, booms out of the field to our left on this little path, and, there, and we notice there's someone with a backpack spraying in the field that just appeared that I hadn't noticed before. And he, he called out something like, I wouldn't come this way if I were you. Uh, so you know, spraying chemicals, who knows what it was, but it was a really like clear message of turn around. So we, we turned back and only had to go another 50, 50 yards or so, 100 yards or so, back to the lane and then carry on walking on the lane uh, for I don't know how much longer, 30 minutes or so. And then at some point, up ahead I noticed there's an old man standing in the road. And he, he, he seemed a little frail and kind of bent, but he had a, he was holding a kind of weird thing. I didn't know what it was at first. It looked like some kind of megaphone. But as I got closer, it was some sort of ancient hearing device. Uh, and he was, he was standing in the road, looking at us as we approached. So we're in our robes and our gear, so, so we walked. And then as I got closer and then approached him, and he had this, this hearing thing, and he's, then he just came out with it. The Lord Buddha! Enlightened under the Bodhi tree. Set off to Kasi. To turn the wheel of the Dharma. And open the doors to the deathless. Welcome. And he gestured into his little open, his gate was open, and in in his little garden there was all this fancy tea stuff laid out and scones and delicacies and and food. And he he invited us in. And uh, his daughter... He, he was old and frail. His daughter came up to me and said, well, we were hoping you would come. We, we saw you early this morning. And uh, my father, today he's 80 years old. And he was a, a colonel or something in India with the Gurkhas. 
And so he had encountered Buddhist monks, and he, this morning he had said, are those Buddhist monks? And, uh, and he, so he had asked his daughter if we were going to come, and she said, well, I, I don't know, but I hope so. So they had been waiting, waiting for us. And she didn't know how much longer he was going to live. But uh, she was so thrilled we came. And he showed me all the pictures with the, the Gurkhas, the um, soldiers that, under his command. And he told me the stories of the Lama that he had met who had taught him about the Lord Buddha, uh, who walked from the Bodhi tree to Kasi, which is Banaras, where he gave his first sermon. And he showed me his, his Dharma wheel of the Om Mani Padmi, whom that he, he still cherished it and showed me it would go in a circle. And it was uh, such a, a beautiful occasion. The response and the way are intertwined inconceivably. This world is mysterious. There are all sorts of unseen forces that are helping us. We have this incredible, in a crazy, chaotic world, we have this incredible teaching to align with, refuge to deepen. Little by little, let's, let's deepen our trust in this refuge. As I mentioned this afternoon, or maybe this morning in the introduction to the ceremony, even that first nod, that first respectful gesture to the way, already sets in motion karma, wholesome karma, that little by little dissolves that which obstructs us from waking up to what has always already been here timelessly, this luminous heart, this radiant heart. It has been a, such an honor uh, to practice with you all, to get a chance to regularly connect in with everyone. I feel really good about the effort that we have uh, made together. And without a flicker of doubt, I feel we have made an important, energetic, uh, offering to this land, to this world, to our families and to our communities. So I uh, uh, really wish you well in, uh, as, as you go uh, back to your situations and encourage you to not get too discouraged. It will, uh, We forget and then we remember. We forget and then we remember. Uh, no matter how discouraged uh, we get, we can always uh, begin again. So I wanted to offer these uh, few words first to, to uh, contemplate and uh, wanted to give Tanissa a chance to uh, uh, say a few words too.
Oh, I have to confess, I, I've um, run out of words. <laughs> and I just really was resonating with this beautiful um, piece that you offered, Kitty Sara, sort of vignette of our time together and the encouragement as we go forth from this practice to uh, a different kind of practice. Um, you know, uh, cultivating the field of barimita, a lot of the practice in our in the everyday world is uh, is everything that we've been um, cultivating uh, here in the retreat. All the skillful means, but it's also the ground of barimita. Um, these, these qualities that strengthen the heart, often through the meeting um, challenges and adversity. Um, and struggle, and sometimes, often overwhelm. It's a very complex world we're in now, and can be very overwhelming. So uh, we need a lot of kindness and patience with ourselves and with each other as human beings. And we also need a lot of strength and clarity for, you know, there's a lot also that's um, not going in a good way that we need to be clear about and to um, find a appropriate response to. Um, <clears throat> but I also really echo what Kilisar was saying, that in my experience, um, that actually it is, it is true that the, the response and the way are intertwined inconceivably. That um, I've experienced a lot of um, mysterious and uh, unexpected responses in this Dharma realm over the decades of practice um, and has taken me in so many unexpected ways um, and uh, it has also been very challenging it's a very you know the waking up process isn't isn't a breeze <laughs> it's a very profound engagement and you know, it engages every part of your being in the end, every day, relentlessly almost. And yet it's so fruitful, I can't think of anything else that would be as uh, satisfying as then really to engage this, this path of practice or anything else that would um, fulfill one. Um, but one of the, um, and I'd like to really finish and just offer um, a few words from Ajahn Chah, who was our, our core inspiration and uh, primary teacher, that much of what you, we've been able to transmit to you during this retreat was really inspired a lot by him. Um, it, you know, the essence really of what, of what our practice is and what he taught and how he was. But one of the things that he really imparted to his disciples uh, wasn't so much the philosophies or the academia of Buddhism or even the techniques and the structures or even the many words of wisdom that uh, what he really imparted was this sense of courage that uh, you can do this, you know, that we can all do this, that we shouldn't give up on ourselves. And it's very easy to feel like you want to give up. And many of us have a very um, poor sense of self, um, sort of, which we work through sort of personality structures that are often um, 
quite obstructive in many ways in terms of the feeling um, our full, authentic, um, brilliant sanity and well-being and radiancy and uh, luminous heart. It sort of gets constricted into these structures of the self. Um, and then it's e- very easy to believe the internal dialogues around that and to to kind of collapse or give up or feel we can't do it or we're a hopeless case. Um, but uh, you know, it reminded me of um, one uh, great teacher who's a great guru named Karoli Baba. He was very inspiring to, to us. Uh, he was a great realized being in India and this uh, teacher went up to him, which is Ramdas, and uh, he said, I- I'm really terrible. <laughs> really, I'm really a hopeless case, I'm really terrible. And then Karoli Baba sort of stood him up and kind of walked around, kept walking around, looking at him, looking at him, looking at him, looking at him. And sort of, you know, studying every little bit of him. He said, I didn't see anything wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so we need to do that for ourselves and to you know, to, to take this courage that the masters impart to us, you know, that um, they don't, you know, not many, some do come out already realized, but, you know, generally speaking, for most, it is the path of practice. And it does take courage and that, uh, you know, the, the courage that Ajahn Chah gave was this feeling that you can do this. You know, it's not beyond any of us. And we're, we're really just doing just this much just this, what's in front of us, this breath, this step, this challenge or this beautiful thing that unfolds. We're just with that much and not having to try and swallow the whole ocean in one gulp. Um, and that helps us pace ourselves and makes it all very manageable. As uh, uh, Ajahn Chah said, um, This is a beautiful teaching that he gave um, about how this uh, practice unfolds, how at first we we make efforts and it feels like we're doing it. And then at a certain point, there's just a sort of unfolding of the path. Um, And he said, you will reach a point where the heart tells itself what to do Try to be mindful and let things take their natural course. Then your mind will become still in any surroundings, like a clear forest pool. All kinds of wonderful rare animals will come to drink at the pool, and you will clearly see the nature of all things. You will see many strange and wonderful things come and go, but you will be still. This is the happiness of the Buddha. So like Kirisara, I wish you the happiness of the Buddha as you go forth and we leave the retreat. That um, for all of us that we have that taste of that simple happiness of just being still and being present um, being rooted in that and watching all the strange and wonderful things unfold <laughs> that come to drink in the pool of our awareness, our life, our experience. Um, 
May this refuge be with us all. So I just want to um, finish with a with a short blessing chant, which is traditional from our monastic training. So to uh, thank everyone for being present. Thank for everyone for our practice. Thank everyone for your generosity. Thank everyone for supporting the Dharma. Um, so it's a great gift. Pawatu Sambamangalang Rakandu Sabatevata Sabaputta Nupawena Sata Soti Pawantuti Pawatu Sambamangalang Rakandu Sabatevata Sabatamma Pawena sata soti pawantu pawatu sapamangalang rakantu sabate vata sabasangkanu pawena sata soti pawantu Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.